You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Onyx Hunt. Bringing you the best GPS mapping software directly to your smartphone or desktop, Onyx offers you the ability to see property boundaries, mark waypoints, track your location, and so much more. Visit onyxmaps.com or you can download it directly from your app store today. Save 20% off of your purchase by using the code NATION20 at checkout. That's capital N NATION followed by the number 20. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald. And this is episode number 63. Today on the show, I have Mr. Matt Powell, who is just an absolute big buck killer from Tennessee. This year alone, he put on the ground over 710 inches worth of antler. We're going to talk about some of the tactics and strategies he uses to kill big bucks every single year. Enjoy the show. This is the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I hope you have had an awesome week. Man, it is almost the end of the season. Um, I haven't got to hunt a whole lot. I did kill a coyote the other day, so that was pretty cool. Um, I know a lot of the state of Alabama is still just absolutely grinding. The rut is going on. Big bucks hitting the ground every single day. A lot of you guys are getting close to the end of your season if your season is not already over and uh, it's just a really sad time of the year for a deer hunter um, because we're about to be done. And uh, it's almost over. I hope you guys have had a good season, though. Um, man, today we have a guest that is seriously uh, maybe one of my favorite episodes that we've done to this point. Um, and that's because this guy's just smart. He knows whitetail deer. He knows mature bucks. And he gets it done year after year. That's Matt Powell. And uh, I actually became familiar with Matt through something we do called the Bow Hunting League. Last year, um, we had Ben Harrison on the show. He's also from Tennessee, lives in Indiana right now. And we talked about the Bow Hunting League a little bit. And him and Matt are uh, child, childhood friends. And, um, man, both of them, they just know how to kill big bucks. And so Matt had a great season this year. He killed like 700 and 10 inches worth of bucks this year and uh, that's I think he said five bucks in four different states and man the dude just absolutely crushes it has and these aren't just these aren't just small bucks these aren't just average size bucks these are big bucks that he killed this year on public land and private land and uh, man I think you're going to enjoy this show we do talk about a little bit of, of the of the season that he had but more than anything, we concentrate on how he does it year after year. And so if you are interested in killing mature bucks, with us, which I think a lot of you guys are, and this is a good episode to listen to, I, I encourage you to listen all the way through because um, there's some good stuff talked about even through, uh, through the end of this podcast episode. So I think you're going to enjoy that. Before we get into the, this uh, episode, I want to talk about Scree gear because I think Scree is awesome. I've been using it all season long, and it has been just absolutely incredible. It's a uh, layering system that is actually affordable 
for the average working class guy. Um, there's a lot of good camo out there, good, um, uh, let's call it hunting apparel, because um, it's not so much about the pattern as it is the functionality and the practicality of of this clothing. I want I want something that I can be in the woods in in any weather condition, as long as I want to be there. Um, if I have to sit all day, that's fine. If it's raining, that's fine. I want something that's just going to work in all conditions. And Scree is uh, it's it's pretty awesome. It's been pretty great this year. Um, and the reason I want to tell you guys about it, um, you know. I know a lot of you guys are probably going to use Walmart camo. Some of you probably using other brands of, of uh, hunting apparel. But the reason I want to tell you about Scree is because we have got a discount code for you. And that is all lowercase, all one word, Southern Ground. And that will save you 15% off your purchase at ScreeGear.com. And uh, just consider that a gift from Scree and Southern Ground. If you decide to use it, man, I hope you do. Um, I think you're going to like it. So, yeah, check out ScreeGear.com. Pick up some stuff. I'm trying to think. I, I want to tell you guys about a bummer that I had this week. Um, one of my cameras got destroyed by the water. I hunted a day, and it was daggum cold. It was so freaking cold that day. And I took my kayak out, and it was windy. And uh, it was the one day that I did not put my... Uh, camera in a dry bag and because of all the wind the water was really choppy and there was just water coming over the sides of the kayak like crazy and I looked back behind me and my bag was floating in water that had come over over the boat and into the into the um, actual main part of the boat and uh, you know it was my fault it wasn't the boat's fault the boat, boat didn't do anything wrong I was out running my motor on choppy water and that water was just splashing right into it and uh, I took out my camera and it was just soaked so right now it's currently sitting in rice and uh, I'm gonna leave it there for a couple of weeks because I want to make sure all that water gets out before I try to power it on again but uh, it's just a big bummer because the season's almost over I still got a buck tag and I plan on hunting so I'm gonna do my best to try to put together enough stuff to um, to film these upcoming hunts but the YouTube channel may suffer a little bit because of this issue so uh i hope, hope that's okay with you guys uh i've got a hunt planned uh here in a week or two uh, i'm going to be going down south and catching the tail end of a rut hunt on wma down there and it's going to be a whole lot of fun but uh videos might not be as good as you're used to maybe you think they suck already and that's okay uh maybe you haven't watched them and that is why we are going to do this shameless plug right here if you want to see a video from myself, go to the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Click subscribe. Check out some of those videos. Um, hopefully they won't suffer too bad, and hopefully we can get a replacement camera sometime soon, whenever I can afford it. But wanted to tell you guys about that. That was just kind of a bummer. But this episode is not a bummer because we have got a great conversation with uh, Mr. Matt Powell from Tennessee. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. All right, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I have been really, really excited about this conversation this week. Um, we have got a uh, just an absolute stone-cold killer from Tennessee, Mr. Matt Powell. How's it going, Matt? How's it going? That's good. Awesome. We're wet and depressed that deer season's over with pretty much, unless I travel 
way south. So Kentucky closed this past Monday, and I had uh, some friends hunting my farms in Kentucky. I was already tagged out, but so I was living vicariously through them. So, <laughs> but now the weekends come, and there's nothing to even look forward to but rain. Man, I I hear that, but um, I haven't got to hunt a whole lot this this past week or this past month, really. I've gotten to hunt a little bit, but uh, not not a ton. But here in Alabama, of course, we're going till uh, February the 10th is what we've got. So, dude, you can always just yeah. grab you an, an out-of-state tag and uh, come down and kill your three bucks real quick and, and call it a trip, man. It seems like you could probably do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been debating it. I've been have I've had some – I got a buddy that lives in North Florida who's trying. He he hunts bows, and he's been on me last. He's on me last night about coming and hunting. So I've hunted Alabama once years ago, but it was just to shoot deer with guns. It was nothing serious. So hey, man, I'd have to shooting deer. Shooting deer with guns is is serious business out here. Like that's that's a yeah yeah good time. It's same thing in Tennessee. It's a it's a it's a whack 'em and stack 'em type mentality up here for sure as well. So. For sure. So uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think uh, I think I'm just as okay with you not coming down to Alabama and not making all of us feel like crap because you could probably tag out so quick and we'd be sitting here with three tags in our pockets, not knowing what to do. And here you come from Tennessee, just tagging out <laughs> real quick. So um, and, I just win one. I just I just need one. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get something over on y'all. I can't get no football wins. So, no, that you know. well, that's definitely true. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> But so, so Matt, you are, um, I'm, I'm, I kind of became familiar with you through uh, a previous guest on our show who came on last year uh, named Ben. And, you know, Ben is, uh, he talked about the bow hunting league and things like that. And that's something that you're a pretty big part of. Um, why don't you talk about that for just a second? It really seemed like you guys skyrocketed this year with the bow hunting league. Yeah, I mean, we grew like, 130 or 40 percent something like that you know uh sponsorships are hitting along the way and as far as sponsorships we're not talking about sponsorships for ourselves this is all gear that's donated back to our hunters in the league it's it's a three team uh three-man team set up uh and it's your gross deer your three biggest gross deer it's going to actually change a little bit next year we ain't going to have those bonus deer but that little hint the insiders but it it's a lot of fun uh the main thing we get out of it is we get to see all these big deer killed by normal guys like us instead of you know the the tv hunters that everybody's kind of get a little resentment against it seems like here lately people just don't like seeing people sitting in a box you know that have no idea what they're doing shoot a big deer you know that's just yeah it's almost not hunting me anymore but uh it's a lot of fun you know we we we're hoping for some more growth, get some sponsorship talks, you know, be able to get some big prizes away this year. And, uh, it's really cool. It's just a lot of fun, a lot of networking and get to meet guys like you and just, just a lot of fun, man. That's cool. That's really cool. I've, I've, uh, I was part of the league this year. Um, of course I kind of suck at it, but, uh, um, man, it, it is, it is really cool. So hey, we're not doing so good ourselves. Uh, I mean, hey. we're, you know, it, it takes the whole team. You know, it's not a yep. not an individual player thing. So. Absolutely, we but got it, one guy who hasn't let an arrow go yet. So. Really, wow. So yeah, the, the thing he's, that he's still got a little time. He's in Ohio, so we shall see. Okay, cool. So we the thing that I noticed about this this whole group, and it's a group that's on Facebook, and 
uh, it can it's kind of a kind of a competition, but more really of a camaraderie type thing. Um, but what I mm-hmm. notice is that on that group, some of these guys are are killing some of the biggest deer that I see get killed all season long. Like these guys are serious yeah. about bow hunting, and you don't see them on like. You don't see them on other places either, right? You know, these are guys that they they highlight their deer on on our league, and that's kind of it. They don't, you know, you know how they always say the biggest deer aren't they don't show them in the magazine, you know, type thing. And it's oh, true. Yeah. There's a lot of giants killed that you know people don't want that attention. You know, it's mm-hmm. and it's understandable. This, you know, it's you can lose places just as easily. You get too many people, yeah, trying to get in on a place and because of where a deer used to live, you know. Yeah, so. I mean, and it's it's just really cool. I remember last year, so right after right after my conversation with Ben when he was on the podcast, I joined the league and uh, joined the group and things like that. And, um, man, I just remember, I mean, it didn't take long, and there was just several 200-plus-inch deer that got killed. Yeah, we in had that four group. last year. That's crazy. crazy. It's insane, man. Um, it's just, it's I think just... we've got two or three, two for sure that I can remember right now. Ben, Ben, he's all over that statistics, all the data type stuff. He, he remembers all that, but I think we've got three right now over 200 in there. And I, I know my guy in Ohio, he's chasing one that would scare it. So I'm hoping Man. he does something, but you know, that's like, like me and Ben say, it's an absolute miracle if we win our own, own competition because it's just, Stone Cold Killer after Stone Cold Killer. I mean, you know, you you think Bill Winky somebody until you see some of these guys' profile pictures and stuff. And yeah. Like they kill mega, you know, 180-200 every year like it's nothing. Yeah. And and the, the crazy thing is a lot of these guys are killing these deer on public land. A lot of these real big deer get killed, killed on public. There's some giants killed on – there's some giants killed on public. That's, that's my, like – you know, I may never achieve it, but that's like my next major accomplishment. You know, I've killed killed a booner. You know, I've killed some, you know, a lot of big deer. You know, I've killed several popes on, I mean, big popes, 150 type popes on public. You know, I'm like, that's the next, you know, I've, I'm I'm successful type thing I want to do is kill a gross boon on public. But Man. it may never happen. I've never seen one on public, so, you know, my <laughs> odds aren't real high. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> So, so I've got a question on, on that. So you hunt a lot of states and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the states that you hunted this year and some of the bucks that you killed. But if you had to, if you had to guess, um, you know, if this, if this goal were to happen, if you were to kill that booner on public land, um, with your bow, what state would you just, if you just had to throw it out there that you said, that's my best opportunity, where would it be at? uh indiana indiana and not because i think there's more big deer there it's just because that's where i know more public ground that's yeah. where i spend more more time on public if that makes sense you know yeah, you only absolutely. hunt public you know occasionally in another state you know your chances aren't very high there but you know i i, I know some really great places and i find new great places every year and that's just where I spend a lot of time on public is up there. Yeah, and that's now that's where Ben lives, correct? That's where Ben lives. He, yeah, they, him and his wife moved up there after college, and they both work in Central Indiana. And me and Ben have been friends since we were in elementary school. So, 
you know, that's kind of my base of operations. If I'm going to be in up in the Midwest would be out of his house. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's cool. I've, that's a, uh, one of the states. That's, that's a huge. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge, you know, everybody's, that's the only way I can, you know, do what I do is, uh, you know, sleep on people's couches and, you know, eat their food and use their water. And, you know, yeah, I'm not, you know, most guys can't go out and use an outfitter in four different states or anything like that. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, some can't afford it, but you know, just yeah, not average. Being guys. average hunter, you've got a network and you know, find people to to hunt with. You know, yeah. We, and and we talk about this a lot. I talk about it a lot on the show. Is I mean, most of the guys that are um, killing big bucks, like yourself, like Ben, like other people that we've talked to. I mean, this is a huge priority for them. Like, it's not like you guys are going out and being like, okay, it, you know, deer season's here. I guess I got to start thinking about deer hunting. Like, this is a, a 365 oh, yeah. type thing for you. And so you're making these plans and, and you're networking, like you said, with people who um, who can, you know, be a resource for you to be able to go out and, and go and do that, you know, on a oh, yeah. on a pretty cheap a pretty cheap trip. You know, you can go out and hunt public land and sleep on somebody's couch for basically the cost of food, which you would already be buying yeah, if you were sitting you get at home. Up there, you know, basically, you know. Yeah, and so it's it's. And I mean that that's you know in our networking thing, it's the whole birds of a feather. You know, you're you're wanting to hunt with people who are just as crazy as you are. You know, get up at two o'clock in the morning and drive an hour and then walk two hours in the dark. You yeah, know? I mean it's. And those I mean, people are tough to find. One of. Yeah, I mean, one of mine and Ben's favorite places, and, I mean, we dress just basically in clothes we take off and put in a bag because they're soaking wet when we get to the tree. <laughs> like, just as hard as we could walk, an hour and 46 minutes, you know, to get there. I mean, just, and it's just, and it, it's just so rewarding when you kill a deer like that, you know, on public, that anybody else can go hunt. You know, even guys gun hunt, you know, they can walk in there and accidentally kick that deer up and kill it. You mm-hmm. know, it's, yeah, and that's the it's thing I cool. that's what I love about public land is, you know, it is it, it's a it's a equal opportunity place, you know. I had a conversation with somebody like about this today. It's an equal opportunity place. Anybody can go in and do that. Anybody can go in and kill a big buck <coughs> if they put the right amount of time and and work into learning deer behavior and learning, you know, spots and scouting and aerial scouting and things like that. People can can go out yeah. and do that. Your average guy can go out and kill a big buck and not have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to go and do that. And, and, you know, you got mm-hmm. guys like, like yourself who are going out and doing it multiple times a year. And, and that's just really cool to see. And, and you're killing bigger bucks than a lot of people who are going out and spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to go and kill bucks. And you're yeah. doing it. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, no doubt. And you're out there doing it. I just I think mean, that's, that's a cool. big thing. You yeah, that's a huge part of you talking about the drive, you know, I mean, and a lot of people try to, you know, compare themselves and stuff like that. It's, 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 you can't do that. It, you know, everybody doesn't have the same desires or the same abilities or the, not abilities. Everybody has the same abilities when it comes to hunting. It's a time thing, a lot of it, uh, and an experience thing, but a lot of people don't have the same freedom, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to, to go like that. They have the, the, you know, the demanding job, you know, demanding wife, you know, however you want to put it, you know, they don't have that time. But it, it all comes down to time, man. I mean, it's, if you don't have the time, you cannot expect 
kill the deer that you know somebody like I kill every year. I mean, it just yeah. not going to happen. That's that's true. <clears throat> that's true. And I I uh, you know I've noticed the thing about one of the great things about social media and and groups like the bow hunting league that you're a part of that you helped start um, groups like that. It really is a good way to connect with like-minded people because I mean, I know for me, I, there are very few people here where I live who are willing to get up at one thirty in the morning and drive out to a piece of public and kayak in the 20 degree weather to go and kill a buck or maybe kill a buck, maybe not see anything. There's just not very many people oh, yeah. Yeah, that mean, are willing to do that. And, and your and your groups go ahead. It's just totally and that thing is everybody doesn't have it and most people never will. You know, mm-hmm. it's that it's that gur, that go factor that I just wonder what's over there, you know, what what could be in the next next holler or the next around the next bend of the river, you know, whatever. It's you know, a lot of people just never have that. I mean that's fine too, you know. Yeah. You sit in granddaddy's forty acres and shoot a six pointer every year that's your right you know that's perfectly fine i don't judge anybody for doing that yeah i mean i i i me and ben spent five hours this past weekend making sausage we made a huge pile of uh breakfast sausage stuff and that that's you know i love seeing the antlers but man i there's just no measuring when it comes to eating it i mean i just <laughs> just no measure fresh finishing is just amazing oh yeah yeah, I love it. And man, it's just it's just really neat. I, even me being able to connect with you and uh and so many people who have been on the podcast has come from you know, just social media groups, seeing people that are like-minded that um have the drive and they're able to go out and get it done every single year. And and I just think that's cool. So so you were you, we kind of have hinted that you had a just a absolutely just balling season this year. Um I think, mm-hmm. I think that might be the first time I've used my highest, highest average year I've had for sure. Yeah. I've killed more bucks in a year, but my average is the highest average per buck I've ever had. So, so we don't Pretty talk, awesome. we don't talk about score just an absolute ton on this podcast. You know, we not for any reason other than we don't shoot a whole lot of high scoring deer, but, um, but you, you mentioned yeah, you threw I out mean, a number. Y'all that, are just so far south. You're not. Yeah, sure. Not. Not in. You're not. You know. You can't. Well, I mean, that's it, that's what we'll tell everybody, uh, anyways. It's our region, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a lot of it. I mean, there's no doubt it is. I mean, you can just the 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 scorebooks don't don't lie. History doesn't lie. You know, you can't kill what's not there. I mean, right. you, you just cannot kill what's not there. It's just not possible. Yeah. You know, so. so so we don't we don't talk about it a lot. But you threw out a number um, the other day whenever I was kind of chatting with you on Facebook. Um, you threw out a number about your total inches this year. Can you uh, can you tell us what that is? Yeah, my my total inches. I've killed uh, five bucks this year in four different states, and my total my total gross. Of course, nets are for fishes. My total gross is right at is a little over seven hundred and ten inches. Wow! For the season of this past winter, which you know keep picking on me i'm gonna have to come to alabama and, and add it on up some more so yeah hey but. come on man so <laughs> so that's what what was your average this year i'm trying to do the math in my head and i don't uh, think i'm gonna be able to uh four is it 46 something like that 140 
46 point something or something something of that wow. nature mid 140s as an average so that's that's uh that's a heck of a year man that's a heck of a year oh god yeah it's it's it was and it happened i killed those i killed my three biggest just i mean bang 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 just like it it just all of a sudden i killed the one in indiana on the 11th of november uh we skipped the very next morning because it was so late and raining uh headed over to ohio that so one day later i killed the next one he was a 150 inch a pointer the one i killed in indiana was 156 i think i killed him on what the 14th i guess that would be or the 13th then uh wasted the next day back in india didn't waste it went back to indiana had to cape out and uh skull plate me indiana buck because we're not allowed to bring them back to tennessee because the cwd thing mm-hmm. so got all that done got back <clears throat> worked uh for about three days and so like i you know, i was like i need to check try my kentucky farm and i wasn't in the tree 20 minutes and i had that 12 i had my my 12 pointer walk up on me up there coming into a wheat field that had a bunch of does on it and i shot him i mean it was just my tree time was just almost nothing to kill those three deer it was it's pretty amazing that's crazy i'm i'm sitting here just how the stars align sometimes you know but i'm I'm sitting here looking at your facebook page and uh and i mean it is just like that it's like one buck well let's see november 3rd November third, Buck. November eleventh. Yeah, that buck. was Tennessee. That was and then I headed north. Yep. November eleventh, you killed in Indiana. Uh, November thirteenth, Ohio. November twenty first, Kentucky. And then there's another yep. there's another picture on here of you with like six does, <laughs> just limited out that day. Oh, yeah. on does. <laughs> yeah, man. We do that every year. We, I got this big farm in Tennessee that's got a huge chunk of woods on it and it's just surrounded by row crops and it just gets full of those i mean it's got a lot of deer in it anyway but i mean at any point it seems like there's 50 or 60 does in this in this wood lot and we go in it kind of from this back side this cow pasture side uh late season and and they won't leave like you can shoot them and they'll <laughs> you can shoot one they'll just kind of run off and then like come back in 30 minutes you know so that's crazy. every year late season we do that we go in there and we call it the sausage fest you know so yeah, that's, that's awesome. all our sausage deer right there <laughs> that's so cool man i mean it seems like like i mean here's the deal there's a lot of guys out there there's a lot of guys listening to this podcast that would do anything to go out and shoot three does you know i mean just completely forget about all the bucks they go out and shoot three does and they've had a great season and and yeah this was the go ahead i'm sorry oh you're good i was just gonna say you know go out and shoot three does is a great season for a lot of people and that's like that was just kind of like an afterthought like let's just go out and shoot some does um after you've killed yeah. five bucks I mean, and I'm, crazy. I'm very fortunate i got a lot of private ground in tennessee uh to hunt just and it it comes from my work it comes from my family living in the same area for the last 150 years farming and stuff you know it, it's not that i don't own a whole lot most everywhere i hunt is 
hunted by other people, you know, which, but, you know, once you hunt a place for 20 years and you got, you know, 10 or so of those, you can usually bounce around and find a good deer, you know, you, right. you got, a, you got options, you know, it's the, I've always told somebody, told people I'd rather have 10, 20 acre farms than I had one 2000 acre farm. I yeah. Mean, every day I would rather have that. Yeah. But, I agree with that. That's, that's one of the reasons why I love hunting public land so much is because, you know, there's so much public land around you that you can go out. And if I were concentrating all my time on, you know, one 500 acre piece of property that has basically one rut, um, it's got, you know, one type of terrain at this one farm that doesn't, that's, that's tough to do. You, you can't, you, you know, you can't go out for, uh, a rut hunt in on one one time especially in alabama where our ruts so spread around like i could really go hunting public land i could hunt the rut all season long if i wanted to um and that's yeah, one of the I've reasons why i like it maps. it's crazy yeah it is like, i mean it's like little pockets here pockets there it looks like a like yeah. a radar is what it looks like like a storm's coming through alabama on a radar and you just got different colors yeah, all over wild. the place um i mean we've got a lot of the state uh, I, I guarantee you there are going to be uh, there's going to be rut activity even after deer season is over here in Alabama, um, which is just crazy. I, I remember last year, this past season, I went uh, this past turkey season. You're sure talking dirty to me. Yeah, I know, man. man um, you, you make, mm. it, it, it does make it tough. <laughs> I mean, you get there in February and you, you know, you start feeling like, man, I want to. I want to go out and hunt a rut. Well, you can. It's just crazy. Um, this past turkey season, though, I went out to a, a WMA um, for the opener, and it was kind of uh, south-central Alabama. And uh, we were out walking around, scouting for turkeys. And, like, this is, like, uh, March that we're out here. And, I mean, dude, there's fresh scrapes, fresh rubs all over the freaking place. And I know deer – I know deer, a lot of bucks will, will, uh, make scrapes all year long, but really during that yeah. uh, rut time is when you start when you get a high them. intensity, something's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, dude, there was, there was so many freaking fresh rubs all over the place. Like if we would have counted, if we would have been really, really how much looking, license? I don't know how much the non-resident license is, but it's not much. You could, you could come out here pretty, it's pretty affordable. Um, especially if you get like a three day or a 10 day or something like that, it's pretty affordable. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm Dang just, and, and there's a lot of public land too. And, uh, it's just a, it's a cool state. I, I used to take it for granted and now I don't, I, I really am uh, thankful to live in a state like Alabama where, you know, I mean, your opportunities are really endless. I'm going to go on my last rut hunt, uh, February. I took three days off at the beginning of February, which how many guys do you know? across the country who are saying i'm going to take off for a rut hunt in february <laughs> like yeah that's crazy Dang. takes me those dates when we get off phone i may might try to make it happen heck yeah man that'd be <laughs> that'd be cool it'll be really it, dude you're more than invited um i'm not above it i promise you I, i'm pretty much <laughs> at liberty to do as i please when it comes to free time so so bef- uh, speaking of that i, I, I might in- do it i'm interested to know so you are um we're we're going to talk about some of your tactics and stuff here in just a minute, but you know, I mean, being able to go out and do um, as much hunting as you do, uh, I kind of want to know like your family life and your work life. What do you do for a living? 
Um, how are you able to kind of set yourself up to be able to live this outdoor lifestyle like you do? Well, every day is outside for me. I mean, that's my job. Basically what we do is, uh, basically I'm a logger, but we do other things. We do, uh, uh, land clearing. We do consulting on private farms and, and different things of that. But our, our main bread and butter is, is logging of mature hardwoods. We don't do the pine type clear cut stuff that y'all do have a lot of in Alabama. I know there's plenty of hardwoods too, but, uh, our bread and butter is is logging. Okay. And you know, and and it all comes back to mud season. You know, it it, it gets muddy and and we can't work. And that's a lot of why I get the free time to to hunt. But we work. My partner, we both we work six seven days a week when it's dry in the summertime. You know, twelve fourteen hour days because we know come Halloween we're both we're done for about four weeks we're going deer hunting yeah and he killed absolute giant this year as well he killed a 178 here in tennessee actually that gum a 178 (laughs) in tennessee that's crazy that's awesome yeah he's a giant yeah hey we featured him we had a big scoring night one night on the bow hunting league we scored three or four bucks and he was one of them featured on there that's pretty cool and now so do you own this business is it is it something that you yep own Okay. Yeah, it it is a business that we we own together. Uh, I've been in the forestry industry pretty much all my life. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's getting a little dry. Uh, You're good. Went to college. Uh, actually, have a bachelor's of science in geology and got out got out of college and you know did the whole working for the man thing and that I just never could get the whole hang of somebody telling me what to do so <laughs> i understand <clears throat> kind of got this started and we've been after it for several years now and we're doing doing real well growing every year and uh, just you know living the dream i guess you know that's that's incredible. <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't picture it any other way i mean it's it, it's it's worked out amazing you know i guess it's absolutely it's funny how god works but it, it it's worked out great. That's awesome. So do you have a do you have a family and things like that as well? I'm actually engaged to be married in May. So okay, so uh, she made it through two deer seasons. Was my main selling point to to giving her a ring. So she's <laughs> she's definitely okay with the hunting aspect. You know, that, that, she... that was my main problem up till now. They they wouldn't make it through a deer season. <laughs> <laughs> how, now, how old are you? I'm 36. 36, man. So you did wait a long time to yep. find the right one, didn't you? I did, man. It's 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 been a struggle. I mean, it's it's been rough. I mean, not not that like I've been like freaking out because I wasn't married or nothing, but uh, you know, it, it all come down to hunting. I mean, it it it's something that you know you just want to know where I got it from. I mean, I was a little bitty kid. I mean, my dad had me in a deer stand when I was like three months old, just. Wow. Wrapped up just sitting there. You know, I mean, it. I, I killed my first deer when I was six <clears throat> with a gun. I killed my first one with a bow when I was nine. But but to get even more in depth with that, I was shooting a recurve at nine years old and killed my first one with a bow. So so it, you, you it, shot your first it's definitely bow? In my, it's in my blood, you know. You shot your first archery kill with a recurve? 
Yep, when I was nine years old. At nine years yep. old. Wow, that's pretty awesome. That's yeah. cool. Well, well, it's def- definitely in my blood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Do you got a lot of people that think you're crazy? Because you love it so much? Uh, yeah, you hear that, and then you hear the must-be-nice thing, you know, yeah. all the time. But, yeah, must be nice. You know, it. it yeah, you know, but if, if you love it that much, you find out a way to do it, you know, it's. Absolutely. There's nobody holding you back but yourself. If if you're really into it, you know you you get another certification, you get a better job, make more money, you know, where you got more retirement, more or more time off, where you can build comp hours, you know, whatever you need to do. But it, it if you don't have if you don't not into it that much, you're not into it. You know, it's yeah. It, well, it gets there. You know, I mean that could be that could be said about a whole lot of things. You know, some guy who works you know, whatever, 16 hours a day, every single day, and is making a killing, making a ton of money. Well, you know, somebody could look at that from the outside in. Somebody like myself could be like, oh, hey, well, must be nice to be able to drive around that Corvette and buy a new Corvette yeah, every single that's right. year. You know, and, and and that's great. I'm like you. I have I have set up a lot of my life um, to be able to, to to deer hunt, you know, and I, and I love it. And I love, I love my job. I'm a pastor. Uh, worship pastor. I'm in ministry, and I didn't go into ministry because it was a good job to be able to deer hunt with. But you know, now a lot of my schedule, a lot of everything, is kind of revolved around that 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 season, the deer season, and I and and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And and you know, honestly, I'm not looking. I don't want to get my real estate license or or be a, a business owner. You know, in the in terms of like selling a product or doing anything like that. Like I don't want to, because that would mean I wouldn't get to deer hunt nearly as much. And, uh, and I'm not willing to give yeah, that part that's up, right. you know? And so I think, I think a lot of people, you know, that maybe they're not into deer hunting, but maybe they're into golf or maybe they're into something else. And you just, you prioritize yeah. those things, you know? Um, yeah, everybody's got something. And I mean, you gotta, you got other aspects in your life you gotta take care of, but you know, you might, a lot of people sleep in on Saturdays and Sundays and, 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 but you know, if you got up and took care of the other things in your life, your family stuff and all that, you might have more time, you know, but it, and that's fine if that's how you are, you know, you, you just, people just, you can't judge yourself by other people. And that's, that's, that's just what the, Absolutely. a lot of the world's problem is in my, my aspect. But Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. you got, so you found you one, <laughs> you found you a woman that, is okay with deer hunting, especially the volume. Yep. Now, does she deer hunt as well? Yep. Uh, she never has. I've actually, t- I actually took her a few times this year, and, and I mean, I straight up threw her in the briar patch, throwed a stand on her back, and <laughs> made her climb up and and everything. And she watched one. Uh, it was late December, I guess, mid December. We had eleven, like a big herd of does come in. I shot the biggest one. She like she filmed it stuff just with her cell phone and and I let this little group of does just stand there forever in the cornfield just waiting for this big one to get just right and I shot it and turned around and asked her I was like what do you think about that she's like like it's not what I expected and she's like my leg won't quit shaking like <laughs> now you understand why we look why we chase that feeling nonstop don't you she's like I get I get it now. Yep, it's you like know, a drug, man. She never even killed nothing, and, and, and she had that huge adrenaline rush. She's like, my leg, 
I don't understand. My legs won't quit shaking. <laughs> Dude, I have that. I've, I still get that, man. It's crazy. I still got that about a yearling if dough that pops you out. don't, you need to quit, you know. Yep, that's that's exactly true. So, um, so that's awesome, man. That's that's really cool. I'm I'm happy for you. Congrats. When are you guys getting married? Uh, May second. May second. Perfect the, time. Very last of turkey season in in Tennessee. So uh, all my guys that have that are coming, I told them I'm gonna take everybody turkey hunting that morning. So absolutely, I'm gonna kind of lay off lay off some of my farms late season and and spread everybody that's coming in that I went to college with and stuff on on turkeys that that morning. I figure if I got to make them skip a day of turkey season, I need to help them out some. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a uh, man. That's that's really cool. I'm I'm like you, man. Like my wife, she. Uh, we just we had our second baby, a little boy, this pat in 2019. So this past year, in July, and uh, I remember, yeah. I remember talking about with her like, hey, she was saying, when are we gonna have a baby? I'm be like, well, you're going we're gonna have to do this thing quick, otherwise, you know, you're gonna get pregnant and the baby's gonna be born in deer season. So uh, we're gonna yeah, have to do this good. thing quick. <laughs> we can't we can't do that. We barely missed it with our our first little girl. Um, her birthday is February the 22nd. So in Alabama, that's like 12 days after the last day of deer season. So we made it through that one. And I was like, we just got to make sure that this second one is, is not deer deer season. Cause man, I'd hate to yeah. miss, I'd hate to miss their birthday every year. <laughs> yeah. It'd be, yeah, I, I wouldn't miss it, but you know, that'd be, yeah, man, like, I, I, we're, we're going deer hunting for your birthday. <laughs> yeah, I hope you like deer hunting because we're going, dude, I'm telling you, my little girl right now is eat up with some deer hunting. Like she freaking loves it. Every morning I wake up, what do you want to do today? Or she wakes up and I say, what do you want to do today? Go hunting. And she's two and a half. So, I mean, for her to be that into it as she is, yeah. like, it's just really cool to see. Um, yeah. So, so. Uh, when I when I first asked you about coming on the podcast, um, I asked you a couple things. I said, you know, what are some of the things that really that you would say your success could be directly directly attributed to, and uh, and you gave me some answers that I that I thought were really good. Um, but I'm not going to give the answer. I'm going to ask you that question again, um, and so we can kind of just talk through this. What are some of the things that you believe that you were successful for like i mean you killed 710 inches or whatever it was and on man just some really good bucks obviously there's some things that you're doing in that that i want to talk about but if you just right off the top of your head what are a couple of the things that you would say um you would give that success to uh you must hunt where they exist first that's probably the number one rule but and that's a lot of the reason I travel to the Midwest, which you can kill mature deer in other places. But if we're talking about big rack deer, you know, you got to go where they live. Sure. But uh, a huge amount of it is experience. You know, it, it's that that picking that one tree. You know, instead of instead of sitting the big white oak, you know, forty yards off the thicket where all the does are, and you you see the biggest deer of your life walk in that thicket you climb the scraggly pin oak that you can get 12 foot off the ground in the edge of a thicket and you arrow him instead of watching him walk by. You know, it's just little bitty things like that, whether it's uh, vegetation transitions or even uh, transition terrain, terrain transitions, you know, it's 
people tend to sit where it's easy, you yeah. know, and that ain't where big deer walk. Yeah. You know, they, they just don't, I mean, they didn't get big by being, by doing that. You know, they, a lot of them have been shot at and winged and, you know, walked right in, got a nose full of human scent in in certain places. And they, they learned, you know, they, they're, they're just like we are, you know, they're learning every year and every year that, that they get a little older, it's a little bit harder. Yeah. So, so to be able to see some of those things, obviously it doesn't start by the, you know, it's not during deer season that you're finding these areas and it's not like, like we talked about <laughs> earlier, this is a 365 thing. So, um, what is your, oh, yeah. what is your I mean, like digital scouting on maps? What is that? How does that kind of, um, unfold for you? Uh, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, everybody uses, you know, Onyx or hunt stand or something like that, you know, to kind of get your property boundaries. Uh, and a lot of it is there's, there's a few areas you can zoom in on Onyx and you get actual true bird's eye. You know, you can see mm-hmm. the, the, the terrain with the leaves off, you know, uh, a lot of that, a lot of e-scout and I find a lot of places, you know, you're looking at a huge chunk of ground, you know, and you pick out five or six of those and we'll actually walk in and mid-june hang cameras you know in the middle of public and you know walk 20 miles you know when it's 100 degrees hanging a ton of cameras just try to find an area that we know is target rich i guess it has a population Mm -hmm. Uh, when we're hunting up there in indiana all my public up there it's big big woods you know so and your deer aren't, it's just like, uh, it's just like you fish, go fishing, you know, your deer, all your fish are in 10% of the water. Yeah. It's the same with the deer, you know, you got a thousand acres, all them, they're not spread across that evenly like a peanut butter sandwich. You know, they're, they're just not that, that's not how it is. You got mm-hmm. pockets. Yeah. And you've got to find where your populations are living to actually get into them, you know, actually. And that's probably the biggest aspect when it comes to that. Uh, hunting public ground for me is finding higher densities because you know the more deer I have the more likely I have of there being an older age class deer there it's just simple simple statistics which is which is something that I don't do enough um, which it sounds like you know running cameras is a big huge part of your your whole strategy is to find those areas that that is target rich yeah it's that and I mean cameras is a Usually cameras is the second step. The first step is we're going to find it in the next three months while before green up. Uh, yeah. I love shed hunting. I don't find a whole bunch. My dog finds quite a few. Uh, but just recognizing that sign and transitional places, you know, we, we just, you know, try to ruin a pair of boots in the next couple months when we're not able to deer hunt. Just, just walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and, you know, go to places you normally you that are kind of out of the way or don't 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 seem like they would be that good you know you find that one little pocket of deer you know that that filter off this long ridge and then go down this creek valley and feed in this farmer's hayfield you know yeah it only takes one too you know absolutely you're not and there's just and then you know that That'd be a lot of our public ground, you know, but then when I'm hunting Tennessee, my, my tactics totally change. It's all uh, MRI, you know, your most most recent information. It's all cell cameras and 
sitting and watching crop fields and sitting and watching, you know, bean fields and what the farmer says he's seen yesterday or, you know, it's all that. Because we're just hunting little little snippets of ground here, little little clump, 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 little ditch, you know. In middle Tennessee, a lot of it is, you know, it's no big yeah. woods. It's just little clumps. So yeah. if so, you're hunting where he was last week, you're not hunting where he is today. You know, that, it's just you got to have a broad spectrum of tactics and knowledge to, to be able to do it year in, year out, and all season. You know, early season's totally different. Yeah, and that was you know, going to be uh, that was going to be my next question too. So, um, I've I've definitely done that like winter scouting, postseason scouting, before the green up, before before turkey season and stuff like that. I've I've definitely done that. Um, I know in a lot of the big woods areas that I hunt, though the the sign really starts to to dry up in in those big woods areas, and so I've found it to not be super beneficial to scout, you know, cause what I'm scouting, um, I'm expecting what I'm, my, my, my desire is to be tagged out, uh, before the end of the rut, right? Like, obviously I want to know where yeah. the deer are at for late season, just in case, but I want to be tagged out before the end of the rut. That's my goal every single year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this year my goal changed, you know, I wanted to be tagged out on, on respectable deer by that point. But when I, what I found is that late season scouting, is really only beneficial for me if I am looking for old rubs and old scrapes and things oh, like yeah. that. Um, but not yeah, necessarily that's what you're looking for a lot of it. Yeah. So is that kind of what you're doing? Are you looking for that like that rut sign when you go in yeah, postseason? Yeah, you want to see that big sign. You know those signpost rubs. You know generally where you know it's been, and it can be a two year old. It doesn't have to be. In my opinion, big deer don't always rub big trees. Yeah, and little deer can rub big trees too, but you know, you want to, you know, you see that big rub that's been hit multiple times from both sides. You know, you it's been several decent bucks whack, you know, rub on it a little bit here and there, you know, and and we walk the same places year year in year out because we want you know hopefully pick up the sheds from one we seen or one we didn't know was there and then kill him. You know, just the just the history to kill one is is really cool in my mind as well. Uh, <laughs> sorry. So, you know, if we see those rubs on those same same areas two or three years in a row, you know you're something's going on there, you know. Absolutely. Like, I need to be here at some point when these rubs are, should be happening, you know. Like, they're here for a reason. You know? Yeah. And it's not, you're not looking for, you're not looking at field edge scrapes and stuff like that. We're talking about in cover sign, you know, where a deer would be in daylight. You know, we're not hunting the jury farm where he's going to walk out in a green pot, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've I've never seen that happen. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, I'm not hunting in a dreamland for sure. You know, I've <clears throat> I killed one good deer out in the field and he'd come out of a picket of a cornfield. Uh, right after it had been cut, and you know nobody had been there since the combine come through three weeks before, you know. So yeah, it, it's just a that's just a, a fantasy land, in my opinion. Well, and that it makes it really easy to get distracted. So I've been hunting Kentucky the last two years, and you go out there, and uh, the first year I hunted it, I hunted it 
three different parts of the season. So I hunted it that early season when they were still in velvet in September. Then I hunted it in middle October, and then I hunted again in January. And um, yeah. I mean, you go out there, man, and we and we also scouted it in July that year. And you go out there and you just find rubs, old rubs, old scrapes. There's just so much stinking deer sign, especially concentrated around those, you know, uh, those feeding areas. And so um, when I went mm-hmm. out, when I went out in January of that year. Dude, there were just rubs and scrapes on every corner, it seemed like, of some of those cornfields and bean fields. And it made it really easy to get distracted on that sign. That was probably made at night. Like, honestly, it probably wasn't made in the daytime. Yeah, I can't. It's very, I mean, most of it probably was. For, um, you know, a, a big mature deer. I mean, there's two-year-olds leave a lot of time because this is their first year that they're they're really... Yeah. You know, they're above somebody, you know, it's, it's your first manager type deal. You know, they're usually, you know, got their chest blowed out, something to prove, you know, so they leave a lot of sign. I mean, they really do. Yeah. A lot of it's there. And I mean, you're, and that's a lot of times that's a perfectly great deer for somebody too, you know? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, I, I got guys who hunt with me, some of my best friends, you know, I'm like, do not walk deer that I walk, shoot some stuff, you know, you like. If you knew how many spikes and six pointers I killed back in the day yeah. to get, you know, to make it to here, I mean, it, it's just have fun, you know. Don't don't compare yourself to other people. Shoot some stuff. Well, and that's that's you know, something that a lot of guys get distracted by too, is the size of the deer. And I've had a lot of conversations in the last two weeks about this. Um, but like a guy like you, uh, you know, you didn't just start out shooting big bucks. You started out shooting smaller deer, does, and things like that, where you know, you could really build your confidence in your equipment that way. If if uh, 150 was the first deer I ever got a shot at with a bow, I guarantee you I would have missed or wounded it. But luckily for me, that wasn't the first deer that walked out in front of me when I had a bow in my hand. Oh, yeah. It was a doe. And now and I... Yeah, I mean, that's one of our biggest sayings is shoot more does to kill big bucks. Yeah. It's not, it's not to make that population different, but you've got to be able to perform... When it happened, you got to know your equipment. You know, you got to make that shot. And, I mean, that's another aspect. You know, I was telling you the other night, I do all my own bow work. You know, I got to press. I do everything. And, like, I'm not a – I can, you know, I can hit that two-inch hole. You know, I can I can take the long ball if I need to. I mean, I, I've killed some deer farther than what, you know, most people ever will. Yeah. And it, it it's just – it's just – it's just – being on top of your game across the board, you know, you can't, you can't draw back and twist your peep with your, you know, your nose every time before you shoot. That's just not acceptable if you're going to, you know, kill a bunch of deer and be at the top of your game, you know. Definitely. So, so kind of in that, in that, uh, in that same vein. So, uh, another thing that I've been really talking about to a lot of people is an arrow setup. What does your arrow setup normally look like? Uh, pretty heavy. I'm shooting about uh 520 grains. I uh, really like the Eastern Axis, and I use the brass inserts with those. So you know, add some front weight. Uh, I do shoot beyond what most people would think. I shoot a big expandable. Uh, stay off the shoulder. You know, a lot of people, you know, they hate on that. <laughs> six rib back shot because a lot of times you have to let that deer lay 
Yeah. Uh, but it's way better than him running off with arrow in the shoulder, and you never seeing him ever again. Yeah. You know, so, and I shoot a big expandable three blade. I feel like, you know, that extra blade, if it nicks that one artery that I need it to going through the liver to, to find that deer pretty easily, then so be it. I, I have plenty of energy. Most of my arrows are stuck in the ground behind the deer. Uh, I shot, I went 11 for 11 this year. I shot 11 deer with 11 arrows. Good uh, Lord. 11 deer. That's crazy. So, I mean, and I'd say, uh, probably all but two or three were stuck in the ground behind the deer. And that would have been, you know, extreme angles or, you know, 50 yard does, you know, something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, and I, I I totally agree with you. I think knowing your equipment is is one of the most important aspects, and that's one thing that I've been trying to get better at. Because if I'm just being super transparent, like I haven't done my due diligence in um, learning my arrow setup and learning what arrow setup is good for my bow and things like that. Like I'm I'm really mm-hmm. I've really been challenged because while you're eleven for eleven, I killed three with my bow this year. And I probably released like nine arrows. Um, only one of those. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I released a lot of arrows. Like it's, I'm, I'm pretty ashamed to say that. And part of it is because, and I've talked about it on the show before, but I tell you, I uh, I decided to switch to a fixed blade broadhead this year. And I, you know, yeah. for me, I thought I was doing my due diligence. I mean, I really practiced. I worked. I got it tuned. Actually, I got it tuned twice because it wasn't what I wanted it to be the first time. I mean, I really, really worked hard at making these uh, fixed blade broadheads work, but it just always seemed like something would happen on every shot, and the shot would just do something goofy. And uh, and sure enough, you know, a lot of times... Like, it, yeah, flight problems or... Yeah, there was some flight problems. And, uh, and, and honestly, dude, I know what it is. It was... My arrow setup wasn't right for my bow, and I was trying to force something that I needed to do a little more work on, and uh, and so yeah. I've really been challenged this year to to do that. Now, granted, like I I capitalized on on some of the ones that I really needed to capitalize on, but you know I shot at several does that I just I only wounded one. Um, and it was definitely not a fatal wound. Like it was like a leg hit. And so that was, that was, uh-huh. you know, I hadn't wounded one in a while before this year. And, uh, I wounded that one and I, man, it, it, it was just, it ate me up, man. I hated it, but I think it was kind of that extra push to, you know, Hey Parker, you need to really work on this. Like, this is something that you've got to work on yeah. for this next year. And so I think that's a huge thing, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you got you got any serious questions? I mean, just hit me up. I mean, I've I've been at this a long time. I mean, I've shoot, shoot shot a lot of tournaments. I, I used to staff shoot for Bowtech back in my teens. Uh, okay. And I mean, we done done a lot of traveling and tournament shooting and stuff. So I mean, if you you need any help with that, I mean, I can I can definitely point, give you some pointers. I mean, I'm not a guru by no means, but. I can make my bow shoot good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm not going to go win the world tournament or nothing, but, you know, I'm going to kill yeah. my deer for sure. Yeah, uh, and, you know, for me, I ended up towards the end of uh, the last time, well, really the last time I hunted with my bow this season, uh, I shot a deer and I shot a doe, 
and I had just switched back to mechanicals because I thought, you know, I would rather, and it, my bow is shooting just fine using mechanicals. Uh, it was really just that fixed blade that was that was kind of messing things up. And uh, I thought, you know, I would way rather hit my mark and shoot a mechanical than be able to punch through a shoulder with a fixed blade but hit the, the leg. You know what I mean? Like, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, that's right. So, so I did that. I mean, that that's another thing I tell people, you know, they, the whole, the big broadhead argument, it don't matter. If you hit them right, it don't matter. Right, right. Kill them with a field point. I mean, if you hit them right, it's, so might not bleed good and might not be within 20 yards, but sure, it don't matter if you hit them right. Yeah. So you talked about that, you know, making sure your bow setup was right and that that's one thing that you're, um, you know, kind of a, a stickler about is making sure that you're familiar with your bow. Uh, but you mentioned something earlier in the podcast, and you talked about finding the right tree. Now, um, before I ask you really how you're doing that, um, I know for me, I've been in that situation before that you, that you talked about where, you know, you're you're hunting the the most sign. So you've got a maybe a creek crossing um, that's got just eat up with deer tracks. Um, and you sit there and maybe you see some small bucks and some does, and then you see the buck a hundred yards away, walking the side of a ridge and you don't have any shot at him. So I've been there and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people listening to this, this podcast right now, have probably been in that situation. What are you looking for when it comes to being in the right tree? A lot of times for me, uh, you can get, you know, Ness Ben sometime, one of my favorite quotes is X marks the spot. Uh, I want two transitions to be coming together. I don't want to hunt one edge or, or, you know, which I feel like that just ups your probabilities just a little more that he walks there. You know, even if he misses you, he may be back through there uh, later on that same day, you know, if you're on, you know, a double transition to where he can head another direction. And a lot of it is, you know, that, and I find that on arrows, you know, a, a, a hard edge with this and then a saddle or a, a major creek crossing and then, you know, three three ridges running into one single toe that come to that creek crossing, you know, something of that nature, you know, not just a, not just a single aspect, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Uh, That's so for me this year, that has been. <laughs> a huge thing I've, I've been, I've talked about it on the, on the podcast in the past is I've been trying to find those common denominators. So whether I see a deer on the side of the road while I'm driving, I may pull up on X maps and try to figure out why, why is that deer there? And, um, you know, kind of listing out all of my encounters that I've had with bucks this year. And it almost always seems like there is some type of transition, whether from a, a hardwood to pines or a clear cut to hardwoods, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's maybe it's an overgrown field, um, and uh, and pines or something. Somewhere there's a hard transition. I'm not talking about a subtle transition. I'm talking about a really really hard transition. And I'll give you an example. Yeah. It, go ahead. Find 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 the second edge too. You know you yeah. see you got that one edge. Follow that edge until it hits another hardwood or a creek or mm-hmm. or something of that nature, and you're essentially you got two two hard edges coming together, and you may have you know it may be three different ones, but that the whole kind of the X marks the spot thing is what I 
really look for. And then when it then when you get there, um, there's really nothing I can tell you that's going to help you in that aspect. It's going to come down to experience and and gut feeling as to exactly which tree you know like we had a guy that hunted with us a lot this year he's kind of a newbie and and he just wasn't seeing he was seeing deer just wasn't seeing much wasn't seeing much and like i finally realized he was sitting on the very very tops of ridges yeah you know and you just most you find most trails are not on the top they're on the sides and it's due for escape route reasons and wind direction too. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's just easier to get away if they're on the side of a hill. You know, they're just bang off the bluff. You know, basically. Yeah, and or <clears throat> and there's a constant wind on top on on a side hill versus on the top. On top, you get a lot of swirling, almost as if you're in a bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I think people and, get distracted by like, the sign that's on the top of ridge. I see a lot of sign. They do. You know, yeah, there's it's kind of like a field edge. You know, big yep. open ridge top. You know, it. It's got to be something to neck them down. You know, it's yeah. And it can be very subtle too. I mean, a blow down tree on a ridge can can do wonders. It can narrow a hundred yard ridge down to a fifty yard shooting lane. Yeah. So uh, I've noticed so. the same thing, and and now I kind of understand what you're saying when you say X marks the spot. Um, man, even I was going to give this example, uh, you know, late season here in Alabama, um, after the rut. And so if you're hunting an area that's the ruts already passed, it can be really tough. So my area that I normally hunt the ruts, you know, in that early December range. And so when you get to January, it's really hard to, to find bucks, but I start concentrating on that really, those really thick transitions and, I'll give you an example. There was a, a clear cut um, with like some, some pines in it that was probably about three years old and it was on private land. Yeah. And then there was a, a hard edge to another clear cut that the pines were in there were a lot taller. It was probably a 10 year old clear cut. And then on the public side, those were both on private on public. It was super, super thick um, hardwoods, like really thick understory probably had never been burned. It was kind of a secluded spot. And and that is exactly right there where those those three met is where those deer came out. I saw two bucks that, that day, that night. And, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. exactly where they came out at. And I find that that's one of those common denominators that I've been finding is that those three or four-way transition lines, especially from vegetation, are huge they're big man and it and it may just up it you know the sighting slash movement by 10 percent. you know it may just be that that one little nudge but that's all it takes you know just to be slightly above average you know and then you know you're you're just where you know say say where 10 percent more of a deer walks in a normal edge you know and so that just ups your percentage that he's going to come through that that transition somewhere checking, you know, scent checking. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just a – and a lot of times, uh, if you look at that, you know, find those X transitions, places that are kind of X-shaped, it gives them multiple directions to go uh, on cover slash terrain instead of just 
following one edge, you know. Yeah. It, it's just it just ups the percentage just a little bit. And each one of those each one of those transitions too ha- offers something. So maybe one of them offers food, the other offers bedding, the other offers you know whatever cover. Um, you know that just yeah, that's right. It's a reason why they can be there, and you know I think that's that's a huge thing that I've been trying to drive home to people is uh is those finding those transitions and the more transitions you can find in one spot, the better. Like, man, I, that makes me really happy to hear uh, you say that. Cause I'm hearing you talk about it and, and realizing that the things that I'm kind of learning and things that I'm kind of realizing are, um, man, mm-hmm. it's, it's good stuff. And I think if a lot of guys would, would really start putting that stuff into play, man, <laughs> there's no telling what kind of bucks you'd be seeing and deer you'd be killing yeah i mean that that with getting in with access is another you know access is huge too of course you can't always have a quiet access but if there's any way you can get in somewhere without bumping deer boogering deer i mean that's that's what you need to do yeah you know i mean it's a pile buck i slipped down a little little farm road and i had a railroad track an old abandoned railroad track and i walked down it for you know a long ways probably half a mile before I ever, and then, I mean, I, I wasn't far off of it and, uh, you know, just up the tree, just quiet as could be, you know, kind of back door away from the crop fields. And then I was all in a deer and then the Indiana deer, the biggest one, <clears throat> I come in off of a kind of a crappy field, old hay field that had, uh, a creek behind it, but that creek is a super steep bluff, almost a, you know, they had to slide down it slid down it and then walked down this creek along that bluff side and then up a toe of a ridge to get on the, the main ridge system where I knew those bucks were staying. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was more work, but for sure, pouring down rain and snowing, but, you know, I was all up in the business and they had no idea. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's <laughs> one thing that I think a lot of people overlook is, is the actual access. Windy days. Yep. I love hunting windy days. Love it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of factors. Below, Go ahead. Yeah, and a lot of it is, you know, I could, you can just walk right in their bedroom if you know if you know a good spot, you know, like, man, there's always bucks down on this ridge, you know, but, you know, there's no way to hunt it. You just walk right up in their business if you got a real windy day and, and, and get close. You know, get within that daylight movement zone, you know. A lot yeah. of bucks have those places where they can observe everything. Even if they get up an hour before dark, they can observe it, hear it, and see it uh, in that get up, mill around, work, work some acorns, and, you know, hit some scrapes, and and never be where they didn't, couldn't observe before it got dark, you know. So yeah. you got a windy day, you can slip up a little side drain and, and be just right on top of them, you know. It's... I love wind. It's one of my yeah. favorite days. I see 15, 20 mile an hour. That's, I'm in it. I'm all over it. Yeah, because regardless, I mean. A lot of people hate wind, too, you know, and that's a huge, I find it funny. Like, you know, you see, you just watch a page, like, is it worth hunting today? It's going to be windy. And everybody's like, no, I never see deer. I'm like, because you're hunting a bean field, a field edge, and, you know, you're not in their bedroom, you know. Yeah. Take that wind and get back in there and, and get on them. Yeah. But, and I'm pretty aggressive with my tactics too, and that has to do with having been able to go other places. You know, you can't do that on the same 20 acres over and over. Yeah. But uh, 
just regular. I'm very aggressive. Like I'm, I'm going to do it or I'm going to screw it up and move on to the next place, you know, so one or the other. Yeah. And that was going to be kind of my next question on, on how aggressive you are because, um, you know, going into super aggressive. Yeah. Some of those transition areas, you know, usually one of them is a thick bedding cover type area. And so being aggressive and using that, using that wind, like that's a, that's a pretty aggressive Mm -hmm. tactic to use. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, and it's, the it's the privilege of having multiple places to go, you know, like, and I might hunt a deer a little different if it's here in Tennessee, you know, I've got quite a few places, but I won't have, you know, but a couple big deer, you know, and so I'm hunting, you know, just chunks of woods. So I'll be a lot more conservative here versus, you know, hunting my public ground, you know, up north, whatever. I'll dive right off in it. And, you know, if, if I ain't done it in a day or two, I just move to the next place, you know? Yeah. So you talk about going into a place with, you know, really aggressive and trying to be as quiet as possible. I'm interested to know, you know, and, and really getting up close and into their bedroom, I'm interested to know what what style of hunting you're doing, and what I mean is like, what type of uh, elevated method are you using? Whether it be saddle, climber, uh, lock on stand, anything like that, and kind of tell me why you have chosen that method. Uh, my, most of my hunting is done out of a climber. Uh, not, and I am researching and looking for lighter options but uh i stay in pretty good shape with my work and uh you know i'm not, I'm not a big guy but I'm, i've always been pretty strong i don't have no problem toting a heavier sand and that, that's kind of stupid to say but not <laughs> i like the stability of a climber uh and i've and i've been you know you get you climb so many trees in a year it's just like with anything you do something for so long you get so good with it you know you're just super quiet you know super fast you know every every move is the exact same when i walk up to a tree i set it this way i unhook this you know every step is the exact same and i mean i'm up a tree just crazy fast you know and yeah and it's because i've done it so long i mean you just kind of stuck in your ways i guess sure but i i am on a research quest for something to figure out something lighter but I don't know if it'll be saddle or or what, but and I may just try to stay in shape, but <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I but had a guy. I, it, it does it does hurt on some of those, you know, mile and a half, two mile hikes. Sure. Up north on public, I mean, it's not it's not the easiest thing for sure. But yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of stuck in my ways with a climber. Uh, what kind of climber are you using? So comfortable, I sit daylight to dark. If I'm not. If it's during the rut, you know, if I go to a tree, I'm going to be there all day, you know, and just, it's just the way I've always done it. If that's a good enough answer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, what, uh, what kind of climber do you use? Uh, I've always used, I've always used a summit, okay. not a summit, API, I'm sorry. API. Uh, I've always used a an API and they just seem to have a, uh, Summit's a great stand, but the difference in them is the, and even even your lone wolves, your, your your that chain is a little stiffer, so it seems to climb rougher bark trees 
if you need to, you know, and that's, yeah. that's the only difference that I've really noticed in it. And it's, they all, they all have their, they all have their pros and cons and it's all back to what I got used to. I mean, I got to hunting out of one when I was, you know, an older teenager and just what I've been in, it's, you know, sure. it's, it's done me well. Well, yeah, it's not like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's uh hindered your ability to kill big bucks. That's for dang sure. Um, but, no, not at all. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I've got an extra saddle. Um, if you come down to Alabama here in the <laughs> next couple of weeks, I'll let you hunt out of that that week and and uh, see how you like would, it. I, w- I would love to try it. I mean, in all honesty, I've, I've, me and Ben are both, we're both doing a lot of research on this. Just, you know, we are getting a little older and trying to trying to extend our time and distance, you know, but. I would definitely be interested in trying it if I'm, you know, had the had the proper teacher. You know, I want sure. to try it in the yard. You know, things like that. It's not something you want to just, Absolutely. you know, go do lickety spit and end up getting hurt. You know. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, that's that's interesting. Um, I'll be honest with you. I thought you were hunting out of a saddle already. So I was really I was really asking you that question to further you know, drive home the point that a saddle's the way to go. And you said a climber, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's cool, too. I mean, here's the deal. Oh, yeah. Here's the deal. A climber has killed a lot of deer. There's been a lot of deer killed out of every type of climber. And, I mean, it's it's not a bad way to hunt. Like, we talk about saddles a lot on this on this podcast because that's what I do. And that's Yeah, what... yeah, I've heard y'all. Yeah, y'all are. And, I mean, that, and it all comes back to what you get good with and you're fishing with. You know? Absolutely. I mean, that's a... Absolutely, and 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 there's a lot of guys who try a climber and they hate it, or try a, a saddle and they hate it. Um, and so you mm-hmm. know, I mean, and that's okay. That's it, that's just goes back to you know the method of what we're doing. It doesn't matter, man. As long as we're out in the woods, enjoying the outdoors, um, hunting legally, doing it all legally, like that's what's important. And and every once in a while, you meet some people who are just really, really stinking good at it. And, uh, and that's why I wanted you to have you on the show, man. I think, I think we've covered a lot of really good stuff. Um, but kind of just to wrap us up, um, maybe in a nutshell, this may be, maybe even like a cliff notes version of, of this whole episode. But if there were three things that you could just name right off the top of your head that you would say this, these are three reasons why I have been successful as a deer hunter, what would those three things be? Uh, Number one is hours in a tree. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate that I can take off as much time as I want, and I spend a lot of time. I mean, it it's it it comes down to that. If you're not if you're not there that one day he's there, then you know you're not going to kill him. Yeah. Uh. And and I think now number two is it it's equipment. I mean, I mean, I. I've had a ton, I, I hunt with a lot of people, you know, we, we take a lot of people. Uh, we gave that hunt away and brought that, uh, brought a friend in, uh, well, a guy would give a, we drew a name out of a hat, essentially out of about 500 people and gave a hunt away for, to hunt with us on Indiana last year. He didn't know his equipment very well and shoulder shot a big deer at 30 yards, you know, and I think he missed another one of those three days he was there, you wow. know. I would have killed both, you know, I can't say I guarantee it, but, you know, 
if you miss those one or two opportunities you have a season, you know, you didn't, your, your year's horrible versus the greatest year of your life. You know, yeah. if you don't know your equipment can make that shot. So, uh, let's see. And number three, hunting where they are, you know, don't, don't waste your time. If you, if you don't think there's a big deal there, uh, move on. I mean, if you're, you're hardcore and want to kill big deer, you know, and you're on a place and, you know, you've been there a day and you hadn't even, you hadn't seen the, you know, two days, hadn't seen the first good sign. Uh, don't be afraid to go somewhere different. You've never been, you know? Yeah. That's half of the, half of it is the journey. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just getting out there and seeing, you know, use one of those little cliff notes you, you asked me about earlier. is like, how many times do I hunt the same tree? Basically never. Like maybe from year to year, I might hunt the same tree the next year, but I hardly will ever, ever, ever be in the same tree in a, in an entire season. And that's another one of my little quotes. It's like somebody asked me, do I, <clears throat> even if it's just doe hunting, I'll go hunt somebody, you know, when I'm tagged out. I'm like, yeah, I love to see different trees, you know. Like, yeah. I love to see different places, you know. So Yeah. It's just uh, hunt, hunt where there's big deer, you know. That's, uh, that it sounds easier said than done. One. <laughs> that sounds easier said yeah, than done. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's. I've spent a long time getting getting to where I can do it, and I mean it's it, it's not the easy thing. It takes time and and learning. So Man, a lot that's... of it, a lot of it's gut feelings. You know, we're talking about picking that perfect tree. I mean, it's it's being in that situation for the last 15, 20 years. You know, and, and having that gut feeling to get in the right spot. You know, it's yeah. A lot of it's just instinct. You know, when it comes down to it, you know. Yeah. Everybody's seen that big deer walk up there and have the wind in your face, and for some reason he just turns around and walks off. Yep. You know, he he got that gut feeling, that slight gut feeling instinct. You know, it all comes back to that. Yeah, and that that but, you know, it seems like it all kind of goes back to that number one is spending time being out there. Every time you go, you learn something. That's right. And that's hours. You know, that's good stuff. Well, hours and hours. <laughs> well, man, Matt, I do appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. I think there was a lot of really, really solid information that was uh, that was shared on here. And, dude, I hope yeah. I hope every single season continues to be as successful as this one was. Man, if it is, I'm gonna have to write a book. I've I've been getting on some guys have been getting on to me uh, locally and stuff. Like, God dang, you need to write a book, man. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't know nothing. I'm just out here having fun you know and if i do this again i'm gonna have to do something you know just uh i don't know what i would write other than what i just told you, you yeah. <laughs> so, hey just start your own podcast really sit down and put some put some brainstorms to it but anyway well, yeah man I'll, i'm i think you might have teased me with a good time i may have to try to come down there and, and next few weeks if, if you're gonna be hunting i might go with you let's do it that sounds like a plan to me. Hey, yeah, I, let's do it. So instead Thanks. of uh, instead of saying, "Hey, I'll talk to you next time," I'll say, "I'll see you in a couple weeks when we go kill a big deer in Alabama." Sounds good, man. All right, that man. Sounds awesome. I'd love, I'd love to try it. That'd be awesome, dude. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did, man. 
Matt just knows how to get it done. He's a uh, he's a big buck killer. I don't I don't know anything else that I can say. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, man, uh, I know there's a lot of things that we talked about that I'm gonna concentrate on um, in the future. I hope hopefully you guys are gonna do the same. Um, this is a cool thing about this community and about this sport is anybody can go out and do the things that we're talking about. And uh, and I truly do believe that if you're willing to put in the amount of time and work and effort as um, some of these guys that are going out and getting it done on public land and on private land, on permission properties and things like that, and networking with people, making connections, if you're willing to do that stuff, I see no reason why you can't be as successful as people like Matt. Um, like he said, you know, most of it comes down to the amount of time spit, spent in a tree. And uh, if you're willing to prioritize that, man, I, I believe that you're going to be successful as well. So, um, yeah, man, got another great episode in the books. Going to have another great one next week. I'm not going to give it away, but it's going to be a good one. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. So, look forward to that. Uh, again, check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, at Southern Ground Hunting. On YouTube, you can find us on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Uh, Yeah, that's going to be about it. Hope you guys have a great week. If you're still in the woods, good luck. And remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. I'm not going to say exercise dominion yet because I just remembered something else that I was going to tell you about. Um, Coming up really soon, in Georgia, we have got a... uh, a BHA event that I wanted to tell you guys about, if I can find it uh, on my phone. Yeah, BHA event. I'm sorry. I totally forgot about this, but I wanted to announce it for you guys. On February the 8th, there is a, uh, a Project Upland and Backcountry Hunters and Anglers are hosting the Public Grouse Film Festival at the Thomasville Center for Arts in Thomasville, Georgia. It's going to be sponsored by Onyx and Yukonuba. This festival will highlight upland bird hunts from across the country. Somebody, if you go to this event, if you're in Georgia or if you're not and you just want to go to this event, you're going to take home from gear, take home gear from Onyx, Yukonuba, Fish Pond, and Orvis. The tickets are $15, but if you ter- purchase a ticket at the $25 level, you're going to get a free BHA membership. And if you do a $35 level, you get a free BHA membership and a free premium Onyx Maps subscription. You can visit uh, backcountryhuntersandanglers.org slash public grouse film tour Thomasville for more information. All right, now we're done with the show. Hopefully you guys can make that event. I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, if you're going to be in the woods... Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beast of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.